The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. So here we go with the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. Uh, it's Duff McKagan calling you. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of people say uh, the word icy is uh, the easiest word to spell. And uh, looking at it now, I see why. Thank you. Wow. I uh, I always thought that Duff McKagan was a comical genius, and now I see why. Yeah, not whether, not sure whether to thank Duff or uh, or ban him from the show for life, but he's he's amazing, rock and roll hall of famer, calling from wherever he is to do the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Thank you so much, Duff, for taking the time, and thanks for thanks to you guys for taking the time uh, here to be on Talk as Jericho, to listen to Talk as Jericho, to hang out with me here. And my guest today is very creative, another super creative guy. I work very closely with him on my most recent run in the WWE. His name is Jimmy Jacobs. That's right. And he's the guy who came up with the list. That's right. And the initial festival of friendship, I worked with him. All the promos I did last year uh, with Kevin Owens, the best friends, most of them were done by Jimmy Jacobs. He's also the guy who was recently let go, fired by the WWE over a controversial picture posting on Instagram. We'll get to that story. He's Chris Scoville to uh, Vince McMahon, but to me, he's Jimmy Jacobs. Five-time Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, and he's back on the streets, baby. He spent the last two and a half years on the WWE creative team, and now he's back in the ring for Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, Combat Zone Wrestling. He's all around. He's bad. He's nationwide. He was was sick of being behind the scenes, wanted to get back out in front of the scenes, and he's returned to performing on the indies, something he'd been doing for 12 years before joining the WWE as a writer. He's excited to be back. He's going to talk all about that. Uh, and speaking of getting back, how about Saturday night? Fozzie will be getting back to performing December 2nd at the Outland Ballroom in Springfield, Missouri. Toys for Tickets show. Uh, donate a toy to the radio station worth 15 bucks or more, and you'll get a ticket to the show Saturday night. That's the place to be, December 2nd. The Toys for Tickets show at the Outland Ballroom with Fozzie through fire. Uh, lots of great bands. Come check it out if you live in Springfield. And then Fozzie's headed back to Europe with Steel Panther in January. Dates start January 28th at the Olympia in Paris, France. 
And yes, we'll be doing VIP meet and greets and pre-show mini concerts on all the dates. Get your ticket now to find out how you can be a part of the Fozzie VIP house party at FozzieRock.com. Come rock with us. Come hang out with us. Come hang out with Steel Panther. Europe, you're going to see it. You're going to get it. You can want it. You have it. All right. Starting January 28th, like I said, FozzieRock.com for all info. And we just shot the new video. For the next single, Painless. Uh, and man, I tell you what, this video is going to blow your mind. I don't want to say too much. It should be coming up very, very soon. But let's just say it's kind of a ipso facto, a facto sequel to Judas, which is now well over 11 million views on YouTube. I think you guys are going to love it. I know you love the song because I hear about it on Twitter all the time. And we'll play it for you right here. Talk is Jericho. The next single from the Judas record. Here's Painless by Fozzie.
said, the video for Painless is coming soon. The single will be released very, very soon. I think Judas has finally reached its peak. Top five on U.S. rock radio for the third week in a row. Uh, I'm sure it'll still be around for a while, but it's time to bring up the next big gun, and that is Painless. So uh, we had a great group of people helping us out with the shoot for that video. Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever rock and wrestling rager at sea. Picture this. Rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018 from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. All right, so um, here he is on the line, one of the most controversial guys in the last uh, few months in wrestling, and one of my favorite guys to work with. I'm talking about Jimmy Jacobs, and I can actually call you Jimmy Jacobs because before it was always Chris Scoville, and I never knew you as Scoville. I just called you Jimmy Jacobs. Was that always was that weird for you to have to switch from Jimmy Jacobs to be Chris Scoville, even though that's your real name? Uh, so Chris Scoville was like the new kid who was like kind of in the wrestling business or in the writing business for like a, a short period of time in WWE. Jimmy Jacobs has been in the wrestling business for like 18 years. When people <laughs> called me Jimmy Jacobs, it made me feel more confident. Chris was like, oh, the, the new kid sort of scrambled around and was nervous. <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing, and because and, and, Chris Scoville was the writer in the WWE and just kind of a little background is, is my... Uh, I, I'm not going to say personal writer because that's a little bit too egotistical. But for me, it was it, you were the only guy that I wanted to work with for this great run that I had in 2016 and 17. And I basically came back right around the same time that you started in the WWE as a writer, which I came back in January of 2016. When did you start as a writer in the WWE? I started April 1st of 2015. Okay, oh, 2050. Okay, so you've been around for for a little while then beforehand. Yeah, about what six, eight months, something like that. Gotcha. But the funny thing was, like, I'd never we we had never met anywhere uh, before that, like in, in in the wrestling business or whatever it was. But I'd always heard your name. You're one of those guys, like a Chris Hero, uh, you know, Jimmy Jacobs, Kyle O'Reilly, a lot of guys that I'd never met before, and always heard your name. Um, and like you mentioned, you'd been in the business for 18 years, and we'll talk about all that. But what what made you decide? to get into writing in the WWE, and, and how did you go about doing that? Because most guys would try out to be, to be a wrestler. Did you try out to be a wrestler first? Uh, I mean, I had been knocking on WWE's doors for, for years. Uh, you know, the first time I, I was ever backstage at a WWE and in a WWE ring was back in 2003 at the Joe Louis Arena, the day that uh, Brock Lesnar destroyed Zach Gowan. Uh, <laughs> and then the first time I ever worked for WWE was, 2005, I had a match with Eddie Guerrero on uh, on SmackDown. Really? He was do- yeah, he was doing. You know this? Yeah, uh, they were doing a program with um, him and Rey Mysterio, mm-hmm. and I was just at the show in Reading, Pennsylvania, uh, hanging out with my buddy Paul London, and they needed somebody to work with Eddie. And uh, a couple of guys had seen me before, and they looked me up and down. I was about Ray's size, so they're like, "Hey, you're working with Eddie tonight," and uh, it was an awesome experience. I mean, I was 21 years old. And uh, I went to the show not even expecting to work, and then all of a sudden they're telling me I'm gonna be working with one of the you know the best performers ever. Well, yeah. Um, was it just supposed was, to be like a like a was it like a, an enhancement match or something? Just yeah, yeah, exactly. So, gotcha. Uh, so so I went up to Eddie, 
and I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jimmy. I think we're going to be working together tonight. And he goes, uh, you know, I, I just want to wanna thank you right now for your professionalism and doing this for me, and I want to apologize. This match needs to be all me. Uh, but I want to thank you for doing me like I was doing him a favor. Or something. I mean, this guy, you know, he was, he was the man, and I was just a kid. Uh, and he said, you know, God, God willing, we'll work together uh, someday under, under better circumstances. But uh, I mean, for me at 21, those are the best circumstances I could work with him. And then, uh, so he, uh, yeah, he had he had given Ray the brainbuster uh, on, on like the steps the, the week before had had taken Ray's mask, and so this week he comes with Ray Mysterio's mask, and he wrestles this kid, and he puts. Ray's mask on me, and he beats the shit out of me uh, while I have Ray Mysterio's mask on. Cla- classic Eddie, though, apologizing but thanking you for your professionalism, even though that's your job is to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, he was he was so nice. He, he was he was so gracious and grateful, and it was uh, it was one of the uh, greatest lessons I ever learned in wrestling, and it had nothing to do with wrestling. It just, I mean, I was working for Ring of Honor, and I was in you know an indie guy at the time, but really in, in the grand scheme of things, I was about as low on the totem pole as you could possibly be. My first time working for WWE, this guy had been, you know, he'd been the champion at WrestleMania before and he treated me not just as an equal, but he was even um, humble mm-hmm. towards me. And it, and it taught me that it doesn't matter where you are in wrestling. Uh, it doesn't make you better than somebody else. And it never gives you the right to treat somebody else uh, like they're less of a human being than you. Did it give you some inspiration too? Because as you mentioned, I mean, you're you're not quite Mysterio's size. You're a little bit bigger than that. Probably closer to Eddie's height, but you're a smaller guy for the wrestling business. So to see those two guys basically working in the main events, that give you some inspiration to know you could do it. I mean, uh, it's so weird. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I ever thought I would actually wrestle in WWE until that day that I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, then yeah, I did have sort of a you know, I was 21 years old at the time, thinking, all right, in a few years, this is going to happen. You know, I worked with uh, Nunzio on, like, Velocity a couple months after that. I had done a few sort of extra work things for WB over the course of that six months in, in 2005. Uh, and then, you know, 2006, I worked with, uh, uh, you know, TNA had brought me down to check me out. I Then I signed with uh, the Wrestling Side X on MTV. You know, we had a show on MTV very briefly where Seth Rollins and I teamed up there. Oh, wow. I, was working for Ring, I was working for Ring of Honor. Uh, and so I figured when I was 21, 22 years old, I figured, all right, by the time I'm 25, 26, I'll be, uh, I'll be working for the WWE. Uh, and that just never really panned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, in the close, the closest, the closest I ever came from actually like, yeah, I think performing for them or thinking I was going to get hired as a performer was in like 2011 or 12, I think it was 11. Uh, all of a sudden on a Friday, Jamie Noble called me up. And he said, hey, uh, we're going to be in, in Raw in Detroit on Monday, and uh, Vince is looking for managers. He's like, I know you're not a, ma- not a manager, but you can talk. And mm. this will be a foot in the door. And, you know, and I was like, dude, I am all about this. I am mm. all about this. I would love to be a manager. So uh, I showed up to Raw uh, in, at Joe Lewis, and I'm all decked out. I'm in my, my ridiculous suit. My hair's <laughs> up. I've got the jewelry, got the makeup on. Because that's kind of how I dress when I dress up. Yeah. Um, but I look like a character. Everybody's like, ah, oh, who's this Chris Angel-looking guy, right? Right, right. Uh, so uh, they bring me to um, to Brooklyn Brawler. They have me uh, film a, a promo. And, like, you know, like, I think I knocked it out of the park. Brawler was very impressed. He was very impressed. Like, wow, you can talk. He's like, hey, do you mind if I go to Johnny Ace and, uh, you know, try to get him to hire you? I was like, I would love it if you could do <laughs> Do you that. mind? Uh, yeah, <laughs> do you mind? You're a small guy. You could talk to the bigger guys. I was like, that would be great. 
So Brawler, Jamie Noble, Punk went up to Johnny Ace, uh, Daniel Bryan went up to Johnny Ace. They all went up to him and said, hey, you should hire this kid. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, Jamie Noble p- pulls me aside. He's like, it's looking pretty good. Uh, sh- you know, don't get your hopes up, but knock on wood, this is looking good for you, man. Uh, he's like, come to SmackDown tomorrow and uh, we'll see. And I was like, oh, man, this, is, this might actually happen. And then the next day at SmackDown, it was like, the day before it didn't even exist. Like I didn't exist. Like, uh, it's just nothing. Um, what happened? I, mean, like, I, I have no idea. I mean, what I can guess happened now, now that I've seen the inside of things, my guess is that one week Vince is like, yeah. damn, these guys can't talk. We need managers. And so they, they you know, people start calling people. They, they hired, um, Alejandro Estrada. Right, back. okay. Yeah, they hired him back very briefly. So Vince was on his kick for like one second, so the, the producers went out and they tried to, you know, writers, I'm sure, tried to find, like, managers, and then Vince was over it the next week. So uh, right. he probably never brought it up again. Which, as you know, happens quite often, especially now more than ever you know that's the case. Yeah, exactly. So back then I was like, what, what did I do? Uh, but now I just see, yeah, this is, this is just what happened. So uh, that and then... Uh, maybe in 2012, uh, when Triple H took over uh, the developmental uh, system, I was in the first tryouts, like the invitation-only tryouts. You know, now, now they have those every few months, but I was right. in the first one with me and uh, uh, Sasha Banks, uh, Sarah Del Rey, Sami Zayn. Mm. Uh, I was invited down there, and um, yeah, my in-ring... Uh, my, it was, a lot of it was a gauge of athleticism, and I'm not... <laughs> an athlete. Yeah. Uh, you know, the promo was great, I think. Uh, and that's basically what they said to me. Um, but so, so that's kind of where I, where I ended up. And I was, I, I sort of, you know, I was on the Indies for a lot of years, for 16 years. Uh, how I wanted to go into creative for WB, that's the whole story. That's the whole. And I don't know if you want the long version or short version. Cause I remember you kind of told me about this. It was an epiphany that you had while you were uh, uh, in an altered state, I believe, is what you told me the one time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I I had just left left the gathering of the Juggalos. This is how all good stories start. I just left the gathering of yeah, the Juggalos. Exactly. Um, and uh, I had, I had uh, had a couple ecstasy pills. Mm-hmm. And I was about to fly to a show in Providence. And I, I was on no sleep, and I was like, oh, let me just take one. And I took one, and it did nothing. So then I took the other one, and of course... Uh, and then the first one started 20, working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 20 minutes later, I was just... I'm at, I'm at my gate, uh, and I'm just completely just blown out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I've never felt... Like, I've done a lot of XD and Molly and things like that in my day, but this was like something different. I was in a different world. I remember walking, you know, from, from the gate to the plane, you know, in that, uh, the, that walkway, and somehow yeah. I got lost in there, even though there's only one way to walk. Um, so uh, eventually I kind of just, I settle into everything. All of a sudden the, the universe and I are sort of aligned, right? right. Uh, you know, it was, it was almost like, you know, my back's all on a line and somebody just cracked it. And all of a sudden the universe and I were just, were in perfect harmony. And uh, I, I'm, I flew from Columbus to Detroit and I'm walking to the Detroit airport and I'm, I'm, at, I'm at Peace. And I don't know if you know the Detroit airport. There's that, that part that uh, attaches the Terminal C to Terminal A. Yeah. It's like long walkway with the lights. And yeah. The new age music. It, lo- it looks and like I, a club. Yeah, it looks like a club, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, like an outer space club, right? <laughs> and uh, here I am, like, I'm like late for my flight, but I'm just strolling through that because I know I'm going to make my flight, even though we're supposed to take off like five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, I, I get on the plane, uh, and I see this wrestler who was also going to the show that I was going to in Providence named Sugar Dunkerton. And I see Sugar, and I go, Sugar, perfect, you're here, because uh, the universe is going to provide me somebody, I, I felt, because this journey needed to be, you know, I need a partner now, and the universe <laughs> provided me. And so I go, Sugar, perfect, you're here. I'm going to need that seat next to you. He had an open window seat next to him. He goes, uh, I think that's somebody's seat. And I just turn around, and the man behind me goes, that's my seat. Would you like to trade him? Yes, I would. <laughs> so I go, and I sit down next to him, and I go, Sugar, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm uh, just next to you, and I'm... I'm on a trip right now, and uh, I don't know how I'm going to get to the show. I need you to guide me. I need you to guide me how to get to where I'm going. But in return, I, I will guide you. And so I started talking to him about wrestling and just all these different things. And I, I, started, I started to hear myself talk. I started to hear, hear uh, what I had to say. I started to hear my, my knowledge. And, you know, for so long, I had kind of, you don't want to be that guy giving unsolicited advice. Right, right, right. right. Wrestling, it's so cliche, and you hear the same advice over and over again. <laughs> uh, and here I am now, and I, I'm starting to give value uh, to my knowledge. And as, as the, the flight continues, as it goes on, I kind of look out into the clouds, and the clouds agree with my emotions. And I, in that moment, I, I mourned my wrestling career uh, hmm. because I, re I realized it was about to be over. Um, hmm. And I looked, at, I looked at Sugar, and I said, Sugar, there's a... There's a job waiting for me in WB and creative, but the universe is just waiting for me to be ready for it. And now I am. And there was no job waiting for me. It's sure, right, right, right. I would just say in the in the in the, you know, the idea of faith and destiny, <laughs> that this is sort of the thing. Uh, so basically, uh, that was July of 2014. WB was uh, in the area uh, in the Midwest in like December of 2014. So I I uh, called like Seth Rollins and. Uh, Jason Ayers to make sure I was referee there to make sure I got booked as an extra. And once I was booked as an extra, I called up Daniel Bryan. I called up Joey Merker. I said, uh, "Hey guys, I'm booked as an extra, but I'm not going there to get uh, get a job as a wrestler. I'm going there to get a job as a writer." And uh, Daniel Bryan and Joey Mercury uh, brought me up to Dave Kapoor, who's the manager of the uh, mm -hmm. of the writing team, and they said, "Hey, this is Jimmy Jacobs. He's a genius. And he belongs to your team." And uh, that's started the so uh, what's the, the process? process what's the process then like what do you have to do to become a writer in the WWE so uh, I, I sent them my resume for them to give uh, to HR and then uh, and everything every step took about a month I would say so this is December so I send them my resume uh, I have an, uh, a phone interview with Dave and Ed Costi mm -hmm. been there for like 16 years yep. the writer which I just think the world of so I have this uh, phone interview with Dave and Ed um, that they got pushed back a few times because got, those guys are so busy. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, maybe uh, um, a few weeks later, they had me uh, give a writing sample, uh, which is something along the lines of uh, pick uh, five, you know, book like five matches of WrestleMania, and you know, book the build up to them, and you know what you're going to do on Raw and all that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. just basically fantasy book, you know, a little bit of WrestleMania, and I did. It was, it was, it was pretty good, I who, think. Who was uh, your who was your main event of your rest of your fantasy WrestleMania? So so I mean, the, the wheels were in motion. This is like February, so the wheels were in motion for for part of the card. Uh, so the main event was, of course, Brock Lesnar. Uh, that was Brock Lesnar and um, Roman and Roman Reigns. So 
uh, I had it on the build to, uh, to, to WrestleMania to send a message to, to Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar destroys uh, Dean Ambrose. Uh, and, gotcha. and I don't remember what Seth had the money in the bank at this point. So basically the finish to WrestleMania is Brock Lesnar uh, beats Roman Reigns, but then out comes like a hobbling Dean Ambrose to attack uh, Brock Lesnar for, for what he did to him, you know, earlier on this build, and then Roman Reigns, and then here comes Seth to cast him the money <laughs> in the bank. So basically, uh, basically the Shield beats uh, uh, Brock Lesnar at the end of the night, and you go off WrestleMania with the three Shield members in the ring, Seth is the new champion, and not knowing, like, if this is, if the, the Shield's back together or not, and then, of course, sure. the next day Raw, it turns out they're not, but you have this, you, you end in this huge moment with this question, and uh, that's good that though. Was, that was, that's good. So obviously, Dave and Ed thought that was good as well. Yeah. So I mean, so um, on March sixth of two thousand fifteen, I was in a hotel in uh, uh, in in Baltimore, uh, Maryland, and we had just done pre-tapes for Ring of Honor. And at about seven twenty, I got a phone call from a two hundred three number, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Stanford area code, and it was. Um, it was, you know, a lady from HR saying they're going to start the hiring process. And it was one of the most emotionally charged moments of my life. My, the, first, the first show I ever refereed on was March 6, 1999. This wow. Was 16, year, 16 years to the date, probably almost to the moment. It was, she called it like 720. That <laughs> so was a 7 o'clock bell tie. It was like 16, a quick little 16 years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was so emotionally charged. It was finally felt like a weight off my chest. Like I finally, you know, I was able to call my parents and say, hey, mom, dad, you don't have to worry about me anymore. I was able to call my exes and say, hey, suck it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the WWE now. Because that's the thing, too. It's funny. Like, you could wrestle for years and be worldwide. You could be freaking Kenny Omega. But until you go into the WWE, some people will never take it seriously, right? Yep. Yeah, it was was finally, you know, even though I've made a living at wrestling for, for a long time, this was finally like, all right, now... Now you did it. Now you're okay. Yeah, now you're okay. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. So talk about the differences. Like okay, so you, like you mentioned, like Chris Scoville's like kind of the, the nervous new youngster, hot young upstart on the block in comparison to Jimmy Jacobs, who has the confidence of being in the business for years. Was it hard at first to kind of show up in those... In those, uh, were you on the road right off the bat, and was it tough right off the bat to be kind of the uh, understudy writer? So it wasn't at first because I didn't know I was supposed to be. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. at, at first I wasn't. I wasn't scared. I wasn't. I was. You know, I, I came in there. I felt like uh, I had something to prove. I felt like, hey, I'm like the first kind of like independent wrestler here they've hired on the writing team. Like I need to show my value right away. Right. Uh, I didn't know I was supposed to be afraid of Vince. I thought that, like, yeah, I was like, come on, guys, he's just a dude. Like, sure, he's a billionaire, but he's a dude. And then after about a month, I realized, like, oh, I see why I should be scared of Vince. And, uh, and like, I just, it, it was almost better when I didn't know my place. Like, uh, when I was pitching, and I, I pitched this finish to, um, like, I think it, like, my first day on the road, 
maybe I pitched the I pitched the finish for like the main event of uh of Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. Um which look, this okay, I'm gonna I'm say right now, this would have been awesome, first of all. Uh, so the, the the two main events of Extreme Rules it was uh Roman Reigns and Big Show in a last man standing match and then uh the main event was Seth and um uh, Randy Orton a steel cage match, right? And and uh, Roman and and Big Show had an idea to go through the ring for the finish of the Last Man Standing match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they were like, ah, oh, that would have to go on last then, and they wanted the cage match to go on last. And then they came up with something else. But then I was thinking, I was like, hey, uh, and like, look, the writers really aren't supposed to like pitch like physicality and the wrestling part. But I don't know this because I'm a wrestler. <laughs> right. uh, and so I'm like, hey, what if uh, what if instead of uh, the the you have you actually do have the the last man thing match go on semi main and you do have them go through the ring like in in a corner of the ring and now there's this big hole in the ring for the main event you have the cage match with Seth and and, and Randy they have to sort of like work around this hole in the corner finally you build to a big bump where Seth takes the takes the bump into the hole Randy's climbing out the cage here uh, here come uh, the the Jamie Noble and, and Joey Mercury to try JJ Security to try to stop. Uh, mm-hmm. Randy and as Randy's like climbing down the cage, fighting with him, all of a sudden you look, and Seth's out of the ring, and he went down through the hole and outside the ring, and Seth wins the match by going like, <laughs> you know, yeah, outside cool. but under the ring. Yeah, right. that was a pretty cool finish, but you know, whatever. So you mentioned that you you, you figured out after about a month that you shouldn't uh, that you needed to be uh, afraid of Vince. Was there a certain incident that happened where you're like, oosh, I overstepped my boundaries there? Uh. It was, it was an incident that happened with somebody else. So I'm not really going to talk about gotcha. it. But Vince got really mad at somebody for doing something super like, uh, really? Wow, he wants to fire him over this? And I was like, oh, wow. So uh, at that point in my, in, my, in my life, I was like, if Vince fires me, I got nothing else. This, right. is, this, is, the, this is the end of the game for me. WWE is the end game for yeah. me. What happens if I make Vince mad because, like, because my hair is a little too long, or I'm wearing earrings, or my or my pink shirt, or a purse, or whatever. So, and that's uh, how it is, isn't it? Like I know even because it's funny. My, my, the other guy that I worked exclusively with was Brian Gewertz, and you remind he's me brilliant, of, by the way, he's brilliant, brilliant. And, and you guys are very similar. You have similar personalities, and like Brian would do stuff like he dyed his hair blue once, and he insisted on <laughs> having the nickname of Blucifer. And Vince just hated it. He hated the fact that Brian had blue hair. Vince hated the fact that I used to wear a scarf. Still does. Hates it. How was he reacting to you? Because your style is is very underground, uh, metrosexual in a way. There's some makeup. There's some hair. There's some man purses. What did he say to you? Uh, I mean, throughout my two and a half years there, I think Vince had uh, poked fun at probably everything about me i mean you were the i mean this one that you were there for um we were in gorilla and you and i were talking and vince had called you over i'm like what are they doing they're they're looking at me they're kind of pointing at me and vince had made fun of the way i stand because i stand with one foot down and one foot remember this right yeah Yeah, one foot like pointed up i think he was telling you 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 need to go out and rock tomorrow and like and stand like i do and then with your hand out you know you do that little lip wrist thing when you walk out and 
stand like Jimmy Jacobs, and you know, because it's, it's so it's so ridiculous the way I stand. So it's like everything, you know. Well, it's the, he 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 hates the way I walk too. He goes, "You're the most effeminate, tough guy I've ever met. Look at how you walk." But that's yeah, Vince, yeah. and then Vince will say something to somebody, and of course, it's the old almost high school mentality where they're like, "Yeah, Vince, you're right," <laughs> and it starts this yep. big kind of gang on uh, mentality in a way. Absolutely, and that that def- that definitely there, there's an element of that. To, to my time there, for sure. So, so, like I said, like for the for when I got there in January, and um, I don't remember the first time we worked. Maybe you do, but I remember we worked a few times, and I'm very, very stiff on new writers. I don't like working with new guys because it's very hard to find somebody that you can have that chemistry with. And I like working with Ed and Dave, but like you said, they're kind of beyond writing the day to day promos now. They kind of run the the different ships. So for me to get paired with you, it took me a little while, but not too long to realize this guy is good. How did we start working together? Oh, you know what? So I was working. Uh, I was working with AJ when AJ came in, right? And then, and then because uh, you you started working with AJ, um, that that's when we started working together. And then I stayed on with you throughout the Dean Ambrose thing, and uh, yeah, because I I told on. I told Dave Kapoor I don't want to work with anybody, but but but. Jimmy Jacobs, Scoville. Don't don't give me anybody else but him. And that the was only thing, the only thing we didn't work on was um, the build to uh, what not TLC, what, Money in the Bank. I forget what I what, what I was on during that, but I wasn't on the build to Money in the Bank with you. I remember. Oh, okay. Then, but then, but other than that, yeah, we were we were together the whole time. I liked working with you because because you actually it took uh, not very long for you to understand what my voice was as a character. And is that something that, that you had to, you know, as a writer, is it kind of like Siren Live or something like that that you hear about where, like, if you if you don't write some hits and, and write some some good stuff, you kind of get brushed to the side where you become, like, a, a 205 Live writer? Or, like, how important is it to find somebody like me or like AJ that you can kind of hook up with and have that chemistry with to be able to write great stuff, to be able to stay kind of in in the top level? I mean, first, certainly when I came in, I was, you know, utility player. You just sort of write, you know, kind of, I'll say the leftover stuff. But, yeah, like, like, like you said. Um, uh, yeah, so I think, I think AJ, so you know, my, my very first, like, sort of like, hey, this is your project, was The Social Outcast. And I, I, had, a, I had a ton of fun writing for those guys. Mm. You know, Heath and Bo and uh, Adam Rose. And, uh, and uh, Curtis Axel, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a lot of fun. So that was my first sort of, uh, you know, this is your project. Every week you work with these guys, um, and uh, yeah. So then, yeah, AJ, I was working with, and then you. Uh, it, it is it is important, and it's um, it, even for me, uh, it's important to have to know that I have the voice of those guys. I mean, it, it took a minute for me and you, but then it, it felt good once I know. All right, this this feels good that, that Chris would say this or, you know, with Kevin Owens, you know, Kevin's mm-hmm. the guy I work with a ton too. Well, that whole, that whole, that, that whole partnership slash feud sort of thing was you, me and Kevin working quite extensively together. Yeah. That was, that was the, that was the highlight certainly of my, of my time at WWE. You know, when you left and then Kevin, not to jump ahead, when you left and Kevin uh, was doing this kind of other character, this, you know, the new face of America on, on SmackDown, I was kind of a, uh, a man, a man without a country for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, when you talk about not having somebody to really write for, not having that, uh, you know, being a, a utility player for a second, you know, I, I, I was. I, I missed, uh, 
I missed the old crew, man. It was great yeah. that one day you came back to SmackDown. It was like a reunion tour. <laughs> well, yeah, because you were gone for a little while, too. Um, yeah. You know, so that kind of that left a little bit of opening while I was still there. But it's interesting because we, we – I always love the fact um, – and it took me a while to figure out this is how you kind of thrive. You liked to do the promo, but you would like to act it out. You wouldn't just, like, give the, the paper and say, here it is. You would go – into character and deliver it the way that you would do it. And I'm, I don't suffer fools lightly. Like if it was anybody else doing it, I'd be, give me the paper. But I understand that this is part of your creative process is to be able, be able to deliver it as if it was you talking. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And I, I found that out uh, very early on too. Uh, just, just with me personally, because look, man, I can give you words on a, on a piece of paper, yeah. and unless you see my vision, I don't mean used to this, but anybody, unless you see my vision, they're just words on a piece of paper. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you are predisposed to not like those words, you will find a way to not like those words. Right. You can make any any words just sound stupid saying them out loud. You know, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they just they just sound like, oh God, these writers writing this garbage for me. Um, but I always felt that if I could, if I could perform it. Even if sometimes the words weren't even the best words, uh, you could see that, all right, performed a certain way uh, with, with a certain amount of energy here or, or, or um, you know, sure. emphasis here, uh, emotion here. Uh, wow, this can be, I can just say, hey, you're going down tonight. And, if, you know, if you read like, hey, you're going down tonight. What does that even mean? You're going. But, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage, you could say, no, Hulk Hogan, tonight, uh, going down. And it was a great promo, right? Mm-hmm. So it, 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 I was I was a writer in, in a lot of ways that didn't care about words. I was like, I don't care about the words. I care about the story. I care about the emotion. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Right. You know, for the most part. You know, some of it is what you say. Don't get me wrong. But just like a match, uh, yes, it's about the moves you do, but it's really not about the moves you do, right? Well, it's a lot like the actual basic premise of acting. If you study acting, it's not the words. Like anybody can memorize the words. A real actor can make you cry by reading a, Ch- a Chinese menu. You know, it's it's like you said, it's the emphasis of, and it's the same with singing. It's not the words; it's how you deliver it. And, and that I think that is a very important thing. And, and you're totally right about that. Now, let me ask you this. A lot of times you and I would work on writing a promo. You'd come up with a basic thing. I'd come up with my kind of, uh, you know, my interjections and my thoughts. Then you would have to take it to Vince. And, and a lot of times I would come with you. But if you went on your own for somebody else, uh, do you deliver it to Vince uh, by acting it out? Or does he just want to read it himself? Or How does that work? I, I always tried to deliver it to Vince. That was, like, my hope. But a lot of times he would just be like, here, you know, give me the paper. Uh, because I always felt, you know, Vince, Vince had a very critical uh, eye when it came to promos. And, and Vince was big on, on the words, too, and, and rightfully so. I think uh, in Vince's mind, I think, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think the, the promos get some flack from, from fans. But in Vince's mind, if you, left, if you left it up to what, hey, just let the guys say what they want to say, everybody's just going to say, hey, I'm going to kick your ass, right? Yeah. Uh, so. So Vince is very big on having creativity in there. So I always felt he had a very, uh, you know, a sharp eye. And so sometimes I felt like my words just by themselves uh, might not hold up. So I always always liked to perform them to Vince, but a lot of times he read them and uh, sometimes he liked it, sometimes he didn't. Do you feel um, that Vince thought you were a good writer? Did you understand how good the stuff was that that you were coming up with, that we were coming up with? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I mean... I mean, uh, 
all I ever wanted while I was, while, while I was there was to be uh, judged by the content of my work and not the color of my tie. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I don't know if that was always the case. Uh, I felt I did do good work for WB, but if I did good enough work for WB, I'd still be working there. But let me ask you this, though, because you mentioned, I mean, it's so funny because obviously Vince understands the, the obviously not obviously understands, Vince knows, Vince created the fact that characters are what sells a wrestling match and not the match itself. But you're, are you saying he doesn't want his employees to be individual characters wearing a, a, a spotted tie that, that you're supposed to be more of just a behind the scenes guy not being flamboyant? Is that what you're kind of saying? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think there was Vince, I, and I don't, I don't know. I, I never sat down with Vince and had a you know one-on-one conversation really? about what he, what I mean about what he thinks of me. Right. You know, no, I mean, uh, my guess is there was probably part of Vince that thought like I was a guy who was trying to get myself over. And even in the end, I'm guessing my guess is that probably had, had uh, something to do with with my my departure there, which mm-hmm. was. Uh, was the idea that I'm trying to get attention, that I'm trying to get myself over, that I'm a, I'm a character and not a guy, just, hmm. you know, in a conformed suit and tie. And, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but, but did you ever have, like, for example, I mean, because Vince, he's hard to get a compliment from. Did you ever get any compliments from Vince that stood out for you? Um, <laughs> geez, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, I mean, what he, you know, not, I don't think he's ever... Uh, oh, you know, you know what he complimented me on? Like the 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 one time he did. Uh, one of the first things I did was I wrote something for Adam Rose uh, called the Rose Bud or the Rose Bush. It was like a little like got like it ran for like three weeks. It was a little like gossip. Uh, segment that was like ninety seconds. Oh yeah, he would long. be like telling like kind of like uh like news about the company or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And like the, this this second week, I I wrote it, and he you know. He he looks at me. You know, he reads this. He's like, "Who wrote this?" And I was like, "I did." He's like, "Very good stuff." Oh damn! Very good. <laughs> Clever writing, you know. And that's that's probably the you know, it, it's scarce, right? The compliments are scarce. Though. Even with all the stuff that we did with Owens and Jericho, that was like so so great. It's funny that you yeah, got. Yeah, but you know what? It's like honestly, like uh, the thing is, I, I think one time he asked if I if I created the list, and he gave me some sort of like loose compliment for that but the thing is the job as a writer there was you get all of the blame and yeah. none of the credit right that was, exactly that's the job if, you know, if, if you're if it, go, if it goes well it's, it's the talent yeah if uh you know if you say the word shit on the air he looks at me as if i'm the one right shit. right yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it's good like if it's you and me and it's good i'll get the credit for it because i'm chris jericho if it's yeah. bad you'll get in trouble for it because who are you You've just been here for a year and a half or whatever right what um, is it hard as well too? Like when you mentioned, like if you're if you're, uh, and this is another thing that that people might not know. When there's a promo going, if I'm in the ring doing a promo that that you and I worked on, you have to go to Gorilla and put the headset on, and then you have to. I don't know what do you do. Are you directing Vince? Are you just there to get yelled at if something goes wrong? Or what is your what is your uh, your your job there at that point in time? A, a little bit of all of that. Uh, really, you're there, you know, helping produce the promo. I'm on headset with the truck with Kevin Dunn, you know, and Kevin is, uh, I know some people have some maybe problems with Kevin. Um, I think he, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. I yeah. think he does a very good job. I love it. Kevin Dunn. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, he can, he can be testy, but, like, it's because he's in such a high-pressure job. Sure. And I, I think he's very good at it. I, yeah. I kind of got always got on with Kevin. But so I'm, you're on headset with him and, and everybody just to, 
to help produce it. You know, so I'm going to say, you know, in all right, in uh, in three minutes, Chris Jericho is going to interrupt uh, this here. Okay, now when Kevin Owens says, you know, last week on Raw, then break with Chris Jericho's music. All right, stand by Jericho's music. You know, hit Jericho's music. All right, when Jericho comes out, he's going to hold up the list to make sure. You know, so let's make sure we can see the list because he's going to put Kevin on it, or whatever the case may be, just to make sure they have the cues and they have the you know the cutaways. And just make sure that everything that needs to be on camera is on camera. Uh, just to make sure that, like, I, I'm I'm the last, I'm the guy that knows exactly what's going on in this promo. So I need to be there to make sure everybody else knows too. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, are you just the guy like during the week? Are you in on all the writers' meetings too? Or are you just writing promos uh, for the shows? Are you actually there in helping to write the shows? I know there's a lot of times when there's just these marathon telephone calls or, or waiting for Vince to show up. Were you uh, involved with that as well? Uh, I was. I was in the meetings with Vince uh, with with 205 Live. Uh, I, I I've been in a couple of raw meetings uh, with him like early on. They would just bring me just to sort of see what the process is. Yeah, I was not one of the like the few. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Wednesday nights and Thursday nights that you know may have to stay up there for, for that's hours, more hours and hours. But I, I was on the two hundred five live meetings, which <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if you're scheduled for Thursday night and you know you get pushed back to Friday and then you wait around Friday, you get pushed back to Saturday and then you know, so there there's a lot of time consumption uh, just in, in waiting. <laughs> but that's that's the job. I get a feeling. <laughs> I get a feeling that uh, two hundred five live. Was not, um, I mean, when it came out of that tournament, it was a big buzz. And then when Vince, of course, gets it, I don't think Vince really understands, you know, cruiserweights uh, or or the art form of that. Um, did you get is, did you get that uh, feeling as well when it first started? Uh, Vince was really excited about two hundred five live when it first started, mm-hmm. uh, but I really think in a lot of ways, I don't. I, I think it's doing a little better right now. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really watch anymore, right. but uh, I, I, I do see, you know, Enzo's doing his thing. Yeah. They got Hideo Tommy. They, got, they have a few new pieces to play with. I think, they, man, they were in a really tough position right off the bat. But, you know, first of all, going on at 10 o'clock yeah. after two hours of SmackDown, so that, that crowd just, you With know, no stars. Right, no stars. And that's the other thing, man. It's really hard. It's really hard to create stars from non-stars. You need, you need somebody that people know. They, yeah. I need to know that, like, like Noam Dar at least has met Chris Jericho, you know. Right. What I mean? Good uh, point. It's like you guys are in completely different universes, so it's very hard. And the other thing is, man, I I didn't think I didn't think there was demand for the show. And look, man, this isn't twenty years ago. You know, in WCW, where the top of the card was you know Kevin Nash and and, and Hulk Hogan and and Lex Luger and the Big Show. I mean, and then you had you know you got you right. you know Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. I mean. The top of the WWE card, like those guys can go. You know, yeah, 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 Seth, yeah. Rowl- Seth Rollins does the two hundred five live uh, style better than most right. guys in two hundred five live. So where's the demand? You know, now Good you're point. just seeing smaller guys, lesser stars, uh, doing that. Not really even as good as. You know, oh man, John Cena's doing springboard diving cutters. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's 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 really that style is really permeated all the way to the main event level. Uh, so it's it, a really tough position. I give those guys a lot of credit. Um, you know, the, the, the 205 Live wrestlers and writers, man. It's, 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 it's a, it was a really, it is, is and was a really tough job. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. Let's talk about the list. I mean, obviously, out of nowhere, it's this, um, you know, it's become, I think at this point in time, if it's it's bigger than Y2J, it's bigger than, than the lighted jacket. If I just put a list on, the, on a clipboard in the middle of the ring and just left it there, it would probably get bigger cheers than I would at this point. Uh, you know, it's, I wouldn't say a cultural phenomenon, but definitely a pro wrestling phenomenon. Let's talk about how that, how that began and, and the pitch for it. I kind of remember uh, my version, but let me hear what you remember first. So each week, you know, like we all write segments of the shows. And this, at this point, I'm writing your segments, right? Right. Uh, but so I'll get like a uh, uh, kind of like an outline, I guess, of, of, what, uh, of what the segment's supposed to be. And this one, it was like, uh, it said that, you know, Chris Jarrett, you had a problem with, with Mick Foley. And it said, you know, Chris Jarrett comes out in the ring and airs his grievances about uh, Mick Foley doing a bad job as general manager. Right. And I see, you know airing grievances. I'm like, oh, if you're going to air his grievances, you should probably have like a list of his grievances. And then I thought about, um, uh, you know, you know Steve Carino? Yeah. So yeah. Steve Carino in real life has the Carino shit list. Really? And I was like, uh-huh. So, and so I'm like, yes, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, so if you airs grievances, you should have this list. I'm like, man, what is it, this list of like, just, you know, like, like Steve Carino has in real life, like just people that piss him off. But, you know, Chris Jericho is so petty, like, everybody pisses him off. And I was like, oh, you could do a lot with that. And I started to think about it. I'm like, man, you could do a lot with that. And I was talking to my ex-girlfriend at the time. When we started going back and forth about it, about, you know, you know at, at Christmas, he can, you know, Chris Jericho can go, go up to somebody and be like, you know what, just for Christmas, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you off the list. And, you know, like, what, what, I was on the list? <laughs> no, you weren't on the list. What do you mean? You, had, you know, just, I'm like, man, there's a lot you could do I mean, social media-wise. You, know, you could just put people on the, on the list on his social media, you know, take a picture of a guy cut in front of me in line at the airport, you know, he's on the you know, hashtag list of Jericho. Um, and I was like, wow, this, this could be really cool. And I got really excited about it. And uh, I had sort of pitched it to a couple of the writers, and nobody was as excited as, as, uh, as I was about it. Uh, and thankfully, uh, you got it. And I was really happy you got it. Uh, so I, I remember going up to you, I think we're in, I think Memphis. Um, wow. And I remember, you know, pitching, pitching the whole thing to you. And then, and then you're going, wait, you're talking about more than just tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about, like, this could be, like, your thing, man. Like, part of, like, the new Chris Jericho. I'm like, about the social media and, and things like that. I'm like, I think we can do a lot with that. And I was just so happy that you, you got it. And I know one of the big things um, that you brought to it was the look of it. Because in my mind, in my mind, it was like a crumpled up piece of paper, like a folded up piece of paper, like you left in your tights. Mm-hmm. And you would, like, like the, the bit would be, like, you know, pulling it out of your tights. And then, like, unfolding it and then, like, you know, like doing, like, scribbling it uh, on it. And then you, you had had this idea of having, like, the clipboard so you could use it, to, you know, as a, you know, it was much more visual. And, uh, yeah. It's funny because I remember, remember when you pitched it, it took me literally, like, a second to go, yeah, that's cool, let's do it. Like, I liked it right off the bat. Because, like you said, for the character at the time, it just really fit. And the first list, because we did it with Foley, like you said, and then the next week, um, it was, I think it was like a red or orange clipboard that we just found yeah. in the back. And then I was like, like, cause I, I'm 
uh, you know, obviously a disciple, student, follower, whatever you want to say, of Vince McMahon, where the visual is, is so much more important and the guy in the, you know, in the 15th row needs to be able to see it. So I wanted to actually make it its own inanimate object, the list. And so then I went to the, to the props guys to ask them if, because I wanted to get a steel, a, a steel list that I could use as a weapon, almost like, you know, a Cornet's tennis racket or whatever. Yep. And uh, so they finally made it, and the week they made it, Vince wasn't there. So I didn't have to ask his permission. I just took it to the ring with me. And that's where it kind of began. And then the next week when Vince came back, I said, hey, Vince, I did this thing last week with the list where I actually got them to make a list, and it's a big thing I can use as a weapon. He's like, well, I don't want you to use it as a weapon, although we did at some point. But he's like, this is yeah. a good idea, and let's have it. And that's kind of where it all started was, was, was kind of he wasn't there that week, so we were able to just <laughs> use it. But the funny thing about the list is it got over so big, and the one that I remember is when I put all three members of New Day on the list one after another. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that, was a, that was a great segment. And yeah. that's where, like, you just made the list, and it wasn't like I didn't say it that way on purpose. I just said it that way, but then that became the cadence and the way that you have to put someone on the list, you know? Yeah, and that was so important. It was so important for you to... Uh, I mean, and that's all the all the stuff that you added to it was was it was so pertinent to you know what happens when whatever yeah. you know what happened like that <laughs> where people start to rumble the, the the pen goes up and the click and uh, yeah it, it, it's uh, it was great I mean that that um, the new day one you guys did and then um, we did one with Enzo and Cass maybe like right a week later I think it was like in September October of of uh whatever year that is 2016 yeah and yeah and like i mean it was doing the highest rated segment it was so entertaining i was like this is like 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 we got something really good here with you and kevin and the list and like i remember that was like the period i was like this is this is such good stuff happening we had so much confidence so like that's the thing like i know i was just out of control i was like i'm gonna get the word it over I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm going to get the word quiet over. I'm going to get the click of a pen over. It's like, what do you got? What do you, what do you want me to do? Get this cupcake over? Okay, I'll get it over. We just had it down to a science at that point in time. And as you know from being in the business as long as you have, and me too, that doesn't happen every day. We really caught that lightning in the bottle to be able to have all of these, like I say, late career hits. If I was in a rock and roll band, I, can't, I had like five or six top ten hits last year, all from the stuff that, that you and I created just because the character was so hot. Yeah, you know, I, I loved it. And, you know, we had the, you had come up with, with the gift of Jericho. I remember that. Yeah. We, we did a thing with, with Ambrose and the gift of Jericho. And that's when I came up with the, the list of Jericho. was the first new other thing of Jericho. I was like, that sounds close enough. You know, the gift of Jericho, the list of Jericho. Right. And then that became a whole thing where it's just like the whatever of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, that, you know. <laughs> we use that for the key of Jericho, the cage of Jericho. Oh, everything. Yeah. You know? It's funny yeah, too the, the 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 gift of Jericho drink it in man I actually got that from Paul McCartney because every concert he goes I'm just gonna take a moment to just remember this moment I'm gonna drink it in and I thought like okay it's a gift of Jericho like like drink in the moment like drink it in man and that became a whole freaking thing so like anything that we came up with just went through the roof of of becoming you know t-shirts and catchphrases and signs and all that sort of stuff it was a real kind of magical time for sure. But there, there was one thing that you and I think to this, this day disagree about. Uh, What's that? And that is, and that is Mitch the Plant. Oh, the what? The fact <laughs> you named it. You're so mad about that. I so, hate it. 
Nope. So, uh, so I mean, uh, my buddy had come up with that on the writing team, and I was the one that convinced uh, Ambrose to call him Mitch because he uh. didn't want to call him Mitch. Yeah, yeah, so yeah he's so upset about it. Uh, but to me, I was like, look, man, once you break the plan, once you hit him with it, like you're going to get a, a two-for-one deal. Not only did you, did you uh, kill Dean Ambrose, but you also killed Mitch the plant. And, uh, I mean, I felt when you picked up that potted plant uh, and you were going to hit Dean with it, the crowd reaction of like, no, no, <laughs> no, don't do it. Uh, I thought I thought it was it was perfect, but you were I know you were not happy. You were well, like nobody called it Mitch the Plant ever again. Well, because what happened was I almost like I, I I physically assault this guy with a with a murder weapon. I mean it's a you know whatever whatever a potted plant weighs twenty thirty pounds. If I hit somebody in the head with that, it would, it could kill them. And it, it injured him to the point where he wasn't on SmackDown the next week. But all anybody cared about was stupid <laughs> Mitch the Potted Plant dying. And I was like. <laughs> He just spent, you know. I know nobody, know, no one believes the stuff, anyways. But I was like, can we at least keep the 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 myth of wrestling going, where it's his 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 head has been traumatized and he's been lacerated and his you know his medulla oblongata is hurting. A blunt force object to the back of his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah, Mitch the Potter. I think I think we're we're at different ends of the spectrum with Mitch. But, God yeah. rest but it was great stuff, and it's funny too. You said when I left, you're kind of a man without a country, and just the thought of going back to the WWE now and not having you there, it's like, fuck, I'd have to start all over from scratch again. Let's talk about 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 your exit from the WWE and why I mentioned earlier how controversial it was. Uh, in my mind, too, like I said, I, I don't think you... Um, you're not stupid, so I think some of this stuff was done uh, for a reason. But let's talk about this, if you want to, if you can, about kind of what led to your exit uh, from the WWE. I mean, what... What's what's ultimately a part of the story, Chris, uh, is you know how I how I it's funny you know how I got to the WWE. Uh, you, you say uh, how, you know how'd you become a writer? And it was this it was through this this trip, you know, taking ecstasy pills, and I'd done a lot of drugs for a lot of years, <laughs> right. so like you know for twelve years, and uh, opiates particularly kind of had me by the balls. And I remember it was the it was it was the weekend of your last week at WWE, and so I was really upset, but. Um, I I finally was I was on the the floor of my of one of my best friend's uh, apartments and I was just like yo I need to go to rehab like I can't I can't do this anymore like I can't keep living the way I'm living and I was I tried to get clean and uh, you know I just I couldn't and so I it, at the end of April I you know I was supposed to fly out to San Jose for uh, for payback and instead I flew to to Scurry, Texas, to a place called the Tree House, and I spent 30 days there. Mm. And uh, 30 days by myself, you know, with just me and my thoughts. Uh, 30 days uh, away from wrestling, which is the longest I've been away from wrestling since I was 15 years old. 30 days in one city, uh, straight. You know, I mean, 30, 30 days in one place. I mean, when's the last time you've been 30 days in, like, one, Never. one location? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so learning to be still and learning to be in one spot. And I, and I say this because this is really important. In those 30 days, I didn't miss WWE and I didn't miss wrestling. And this thing that uh, I had spent 18 years of my life dedicating it to, all of a sudden I, I came out of there and everything looked different. And um, what were the things that did seem important all of a sudden didn't seem that important anymore. And, uh, you know, the stuff in my house all of a sudden just looked like, man, I have a lot of stuff, a lot of shit, huh? Mm. Um, and I was like, man, what, 
what am I doing here? And this, the, the importance of this, you know, WWE being the mecca of life all of a sudden didn't exist. Mm. You know, and, and finding yourself and being sort of clean for the first time in a long time, you know, which, which I am now still, and this is uh, seven months ago, um, you, you, you find different parts of yourself. And I found I missed performing. Mm. I found that I wasn't okay being in a, in a suit and tie and having my hair slicked back and not having jewelry in and not having makeup. And that's a part of who I am. Uh, and it's part of who I've been for since I was a I was a kid drawing on my grandma's earrings, you know. Like right. this is this is a part of this is a part of me. I know, you know. Hey, dress oh go dress up for work. Hey, maybe that's cool for you, but like, um, I struggle. I struggled with drug addiction and depression for so long. Um, it's really weird. Uh, you don't hear this often, but when you're in that state, it, you can't trust the voice in your head, right? Yeah. Like when you're when you're depressed. Um, it's like, you know, sometimes you just want to throw away everything. You're like, oh, no, it's depression talking. Or, you know, when you're on drugs, it's like sometimes you want to make this crazy leap. And you're like, no, oh, that's, that's just because that's I'm high. I can't make this choice. And so you spend a lot of time just with your head down and moving forward. Kind of your head down, you're falling forward. You can't really make decisions. And all of a sudden, here I am finding things out about myself and making decisions. And uh, so, look. Am I a mastermind? Did I run an angle with the hottest act outside of WWE to get myself fired from WWE? No, I wasn't trying to get fired. <laughs> right. But man, I wasn't trying to not get fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you wouldn't have done that a year ago. Oh, absolutely not. Right. I, absolutely not. I mean, you know, what I talked about earlier on uh, about how, you know, when I first learned to fear Vince, it was, oh my God, what's going to happen? If I get fired, where do I go? What do I do? Oh right. my God. When the prospect came up that I might get fired over this, it was like, oh my god, what do I do? I might get, I might get fired. Like, oh my, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was this exhilarating feeling. And so the day it happened, there was, there was no, and she was saying, there's no, there's zero bitter feelings. There's zero, uh, I've got nothing, nothing that I, had, I look, man, I had a great, fun two years, two and a half years. That would be uh, zero bitter feelings of why they fired me. Great. I mean, uh, this past six weeks has been like the time of my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're, you're, because you're back doing what you love to do. And I I mean, I think as well, I mean, I think it was probably a a two way street on that. I'm sure at that point, it seems like it's almost a final straw for for you with WWE. I mean, I, I don't know. I know how Vince thinks. And if it was something like that and it was somebody that he was like, you know, was really, really a thousand percent behind, he probably wouldn't have cared. But it seemed to me that maybe both of you guys knew that it was time to move on? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, yeah, of course. If, if Vince wanted to keep you around, he would have kept me around. Yeah. But Vince, whatever, however it went down, I don't know how that even got in front of Vince, uh, but he's made the decision, you know, that I need to go. Right. And, and I was cool with that because I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, I, I do need to go. Uh, and so there was... So you mentioned the last six weeks have been the time of your life because now you're back. Doing, and like I said, I could always tell that you wanted to perform, that you liked to perform. I think you might even mention that to me a few times. You missed it because you did perform when you wrote your promos. But now you're back. And it's funny because I see some pictures of you now, and that's the real Jimmy Jacobs with your hair is up, the makeup is on, there's a scarf involved, which we don't have to discuss, but I would like maybe some royalties at some point. Uh, <laughs> so what was your mind for, uh, set, when, or not your mindset, when you, when you finally did, you know, when the word gets out that you've been, excuse me, let go, is there a lot of people calling you? Are you calling people both things happening? Uh, with the day I got fired, which was like, uh, the news didn't get out for almost a week. Like mm-hmm. I sat home for like a week. Uh, so I had a little, um, 
little anxiety over money, like a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, I was, I'm not in great financial shape. I had a little anxiety over money. The day the news broke and, like, everybody started hitting me off, that anxiety went away. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, it's, it's been really great to see the outpouring of, of people. You know, some people I've, I've worked for for years, some, some new people. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it was really exciting. And here's, here's the thing now. It's going to die down at some point, mm-hmm. and it's all going to go away, and that's going to be okay, too. You know, it's really more than anything else, like, I've started to find uh, this thing called inner peace, which, mm. you know, for a long time, I don't know about you, man, like, I didn't even, that's not even something I wanted, or was look, certainly wasn't looking for, or even wanted, because, like, inner peace, what are you talking about peace? Like, I'm busy, I gotta be doing stuff, you know, balance, like, nothing great was ever achieved through balance, <laughs> it's only through imbalance that you, you, you achieve greatness, right? You, you sacrifice everything uh, over here just to dump it all in one pot over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was so much my life for so long. And now, uh, now I'm just enjoying it. You know, I'm just enjoying uh, getting performed in front of people and getting to do that. And when that's, when that's over, it's over. When when you mentioned how you know you kind of got the picture with the hottest act in the business, do you think that kind of made you a bigger baby face when you got fired? But from uh, taking that yeah, picture I, with the young, I think it definitely helped. I think, yeah. I think if, you're, if you're going to get fired, you want to <laughs> run an angle with the top act outside of WWE. I mean, let's be serious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where 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 are you working then now? Are you kind of just going everywhere? Are you going to go back exclusively with the company? What's your thoughts? Right now, no, I'm not looking to be exclusive with anybody, and that's kind of uh, part of what I'm enjoying about about this um, is that you know for for two and a half years, I uh, you know. I felt uh, trapped in a lot of ways. I'm not saying that to disparage WDB. It's just sort of the, the role I was in there felt a little restricting. So right now, my autonomy and my freedom uh, are so nice and so good. Uh, so I'm going where I want and uh, working for who I want to w- work with. You know, I just, um, you know, the first appearance I made was for, for Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. uh, where, where, where I took that selfie again with uh, the Mullet Club. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> then, great. you know, yeah, I've just show, showed up. Yeah, it's, it's fun stuff, right? Um, and I've showed up just wherever else, whoever else wants me. I did some stuff for, you know, Impact Wrestling yeah. for, for you know, TNA. Uh, when, when they were in Ottawa uh, a, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, that's certainly a project I, I think I'm going to be working on a bit, um, you know, in different capacities. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the brand definitely has a lot of, you know, it's suffered a lot of damage. And it's, it's not uh, what it once was in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, there's still like a good crew of guys there, and there's still you know some good wrestlers there, and uh, I think I can offer something to them that, uh, that that they need. So I'm looking forward to you know having a future. And they're not done yet know, either. They're they're not done yet. There's some stuff coming no. up with them that's going to be surprising to some people. I'm pretty sure. No, they're 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 not done. They're 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 going to be they're um, they're in just you know I don't want to say it's politically correct, but they're in a rebuilding phase. That's mm-hmm. all. What is the, what is the zombie princess? That's the one thing I never asked you. Why why is it not okay. why is it not the zombie prince? Uh, the, the, well, um, <laughs> the zombie princess. It came it came from a promo I did. Uh, I was wrestling uh, Kevin Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens. Yeah, and he had made he had made fun of my you know probably my makeup or something like that. And so I'll just paraphrase the promo. I said something along the lines of, "Look, I don't I don't need to dress tough. I don't need to." Uh, look tough. I don't need to talk tough, because I am tough. I've been beaten up, beaten down, bled more times I can count. I can wear a tutu and tiara, call myself a princess, and I'll still be the toughest guy in the room. See, because just when you think I'm dead, just when you think I'm down, I come back from the grave like a zombie. So guess what, Kevin? <laughs> On March 4th, 
gets her ass handed by the mother zombie princess. <laughs> Great, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it, it was it fun for you or, or, or tough for you? Like, I mean, not that writers are in the office, but like you mentioned, coming to WWE, and like, it, it, I don't even know who you worked with and who you didn't. But you talk about Kevin Steen, you talk about Sami Zayn. Was it fun to work with them in a different capacity, or was it hard when you're in these booking meetings and hearing? I'm sure you know Kevin Owens is this or Sami Zayn is that. Would you try and keep? church and state separate or would you try and give those guys a heads up like guys you better pull up your socks because vince is pissed or, or how would that work a, a little bit of both um in, in that look i'm big fans of those guys as performers so it wasn't like i was like looking out for my friends just because they're my friends yeah uh i was i would go to bat for those guys because but i also needed to, to watch that because you know people didn't know they were my mm-hmm. friends so uh so there, there was a certain little bit of uh, there's a little bit of trickiness into the role I was in. So, look, I was the first independent wrestler to really ever have this role. Right. Um, so it, it was, it was uh, you know, new grounds here. Um, but I loved working with those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it meant, when I got hired by WWE, it meant so much to work in WWE, but it meant just as much to work there with my friends. You know, I was there, like, the, you know, I haven't moved much in my life, right? I was living in Michigan, and I was kind of scared to move to Stanford, Connecticut, to uproot my life. And uh, I, I started with WWE right after WrestleMania 15, right? No, not 15. Uh, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just 31. And so I'm at home, and uh, I just had my last match like a day or two before this, and I'm at home watching uh, that, that WrestleMania. And in the last, you know, five seconds, five minutes of the on-air broadcast, Seth Rollins comes in and cashes in his money in the bank. And becomes WWE champion. You know, Seth and I go back since he started in wrestling, and I was a mentor to him, and you know, in Ring of Honor and all this sort of stuff. And to see, you know, one of my best friends win the WWE title, um, that meant so much to me, and that gave me this like, all right, that's that's where I'm going. I watched him win the title, and then I packed my car and drove to Stanford, Connecticut, <laughs> right right then. Uh, and so it meant so much to me to be there with those guys, and that that was. Uh, the, the worst thing about being fired from WWE is that I don't see uh, Sammy and Kevin every week and hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, as we wind down here, you mentioned the, the, what's, what was the best thing about working for WWE and kind of uh, living that, that dream for those two years? Certainly the validation of, of getting there was a big deal. You know, that, that, that meant so much just to, just to work for the company and just finally that, that barrier was gone. Um, but but doing it yeah like doing it with my friends was a big deal you know Kevin and and I became very very close working together um, and uh, that was like a lot of the writers are great guys too and I, I I'm, I'm gonna miss them and then the stuff that you and I did together man like that's that's this that's the stuff uh, I might not get remembered for anything I do Jimmy Jacobs might not be remembered but the list of Jericho will be in and etched in the addles of time, undoubtedly. And I never have a problem when people say, is that your idea? It's like, nope. That was like, I, you, you thought of it and I made it come to life, but you that was, it to life. That that's, was that's, yours. And that's, that's a great, that's, that's the great like writer wrestler relationship is, you know, you come up with something and then the guy brings it to life. And I always appreciated that. Cause like I said, a lot of the jobs did not get credit for anything. So that would, uh, that kept me going in a lot of ways knowing that at least right, right. somewhere appreciated. I think you I told me that, too. You, you didn't ever get really much credit from, from the office, so when you heard that kind of on social media or whatever, it made you feel a little bit better. 
Absolutely, man. I, I remember when we worked with, uh, we did that thing where Randy Orton came back, and it was, uh, we, we did a thing with Randy in D.C., and we wrote that together, and Randy came in. And Randy's, you know, he's a pretty tough nut to crack, but I was like, dude, this guy's good. He's, this guy's name is Jimmy. He's a great writer. And I remember afterwards, Randy was like, yeah, that guy's pretty good, man. That's why I told you. He goes, well, you never know what yeah, these guys, yeah, they come yeah. and go so fast, you know. Right. I mean, thank you. Yeah, thank you for going to the bat for me. And yeah, Randy <laughs> was good with me, uh, you know, from that day on, for sure. Is there one promo that stands out as your favorite uh, for the for the two years that you worked there? The, the Festival of Friendship. I mean, oh yeah, God. that was the that was the one, man. That was yeah. the that was the coup de gras of of everything. I think that it, that might have been one of the best segments that I've ever done. And maybe one of the best segments, I'm not going to say in Raw history, because Raw is a long show, but definitely one of the best ones of this year, for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're launching, uh, Mattel's launching the epic moment playset <laughs> with that. Heard. I mean, that is epic. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was, heard. I heard. Yeah. It's so funny. And, and you know, we, we had to go to war a little bit for that as well. I mean, there was, uh, there was a little bit of controversy there as far as, um, you know, Vince wasn't there that week. And what Vince and I discussed the week before was, Changed, wanted to be changed. Uh, I don't know if you even know that, and I had to get and go. Oh to, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know because I was I was uh, losing it in the production meeting. I had spent all, I mean, literally all night uh, on this. You know, like up until the morning, up until I'm on my flight, like you know, you know, writing and rewriting and writing and rewriting because uh, the, the the festival of friendship and this was. This is a big deal. This is a, you know. This is it, uh, yeah. This was it. This is like the coup de grace. This is like, hey, let's let Kevin and, and, and Chris Jericho be as entertaining as possible. Let's do it. And so I, I was so emotionally invested in this. And it's hard when you're emotionally invested into, into uh, your, your work there because it always changes. Well. And that day, and that day I, was ta- I was taking a beating in the production meeting. Yeah. And uh, I, I at least felt like, all right, I know once, once Chris gets in on this, uh, we'll be all right, and we were. Well, you know, you know why. You know who saved the day on it, it was Vince, because Vince and I discussed really? it the week before. Yeah, and I remember Hunter was like, you know, oh, if it's the list of Kevin, it's comical. I said, not the way we play it. You know, I wanted a David Lee Roth 1980s video to turn into the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. This over the top, entertaining, ridiculous buffoonish type, funny, campy thing where everyone gets murdered at the end. And that was what I was convinced was the way to do it. And and Vince was the one who said, absolutely, you're right. That's the way we talked about it. Why are you even calling me about this? I was like, no reason. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no reason. I, 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 I was so happy it came out that way. Cause, I mean, right. I, I know what Hunter wanted to do. And, and Hunter is, I mean, he is a genius when it comes to uh, physicality and laying stuff out. Uh, but sometimes he just airs a little more on the, yeah. you know, Vince, Vince is air on the side of entertainment. Hunter is the complete, you know, yeah. he, he's on the air on the side of reality. And he, I remember him thinking it was going to be too comical, but uh, fuck, was it the way to do it? I mean, when, when you get the list and the look on your face and then the question of, but why is my name on yeah. here? And you, you just show it to the audience and you give the audience the answer and then you see it, you get the answer. And no, heart breaks yeah. And then bang, there's Kevin. <laughs> yeah, and even to his credit, at the end, Hunter called me after, he called me, actually called and said that was that was genius it was the perfect way to do it and, and uh you know he, he realized that that was the way to go so great stuff man the festival of friendship and like i said one of the greatest runs of my career and uh you were a big part of that man so i appreciate that but it's cool that the zombie princess is unleashed back uh back uh, on the streets again so man I'm, I'm happy that you got your peace of mind and like i said you did a great job in WWE, and i'm sure you got a lot of great stuff coming up as well yeah i, I do i got some good stuff you can go uh, on my twitter at jimmy jacobs x 
or my Instagram, Jimmy Jacobs X, to uh, to X. Jimmy Jacobs X. Jimmy Jacobs X. X. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, say, we'll, we'll give it. We'll say it in the intro and outro, so we make sure we get it right. Right, and uh, prowrestlingtees.com backslash Jimmy Jacobs. I'm, I'm, I'm unemployed now, so you have to support me. <laughs> That's right, unemployed. Remember, he, uh, you should make another one. My name is Jimmy Jacobs, and I created the list. That'll probably sell I need, huge. I need, I need to do something with that, right? The list of I Jimmy. Got, that might work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if legally I'm allowed to do any of that. Maybe I, the, like the, the record of Jacobs. Something, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, it's good to talk to you, dude. And like I said, uh, great stuff, and I appreciate all you did. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the future. Thanks, Chris. All right. He is Jimmy Jacobs Y on Twitter and Instagram. You can see him in the ring next Saturday, December 9th, as he takes on Jimmy Havoc at the CZW Cage of Death 19. Jimmy Jacobs has also given you the chance to pick his brain about wrestling at the IAW Mid-South Wrestling Tryout Seminar Show December 16th at the Memphis Flea Market in Memphis, Indiana. That's Memphis, Indiana. Remember, this is the guy who created the list. This is the guy that I wrote the Festival of Friendship with. Go check him out. Ask him all the questions you want to ask about himself, about his writing skills. Thanks again to Jimmy Jacobs, my friend, my pal, for sharing his story, an exclusive right here in Talk is Jericho. And I have a feeling he's going to do great uh, outside of the WWE he already is uh, and thanks to all of you who have already booked cabins for the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea we set sail October 27th 2018 remember for as low as 150 bucks you can reserve your cabin at chrisjerichocruise.com Everything is included in the price. All food, all the activities, all the live podcasts, stand-up comedy shows, rock and roll shows, meet and greets, and the Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor uh, uh, tournament, all covered in the price of your cabin. You don't pay a thing. Now, the only thing you pay for on the ship are drinks and gambling. If you don't do either, then you have a free ride. All right. If you book your cabin by January 15th, only a little bit of time away, you'll get a picture of me with the list. You can write your name on the list. And if you book one of the first 400 cabins, and believe me, we're getting close to that, you can be a part of an exclusive Q&A with me, Chris Jericho. Only a couple of those spots left, so book now, and you'll be able to come hang on the ship with me and all the other incredible guests, our hosts, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, SoCal Val is the special cruise director, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Cyrus from Killing the Town, uh, versus Keeping It 100, Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms, Beyond the Darkness will be telling some scary tales with Dave and Tim, Brad Williams, comedy. Ron Funches, comedy. Jim Brewer, comedy. Jim Brewer also playing some great rock and roll with his band, The Loud and Rowdy. Busted Open will be there. Dave LaGreca, Larry Dallas, hopefully he'll be there. Fozzie will be rocking. We'll be playing Judas. We'll be playing Painless. We'll be playing them all. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, new record coming soon. All written by Phil, who wrote all of Motorhead's classic tunes. King will be there. The Dives featuring Evan Stanley. The Dave Spivak Project featuring Spiwi. The Cherry Bombs, the, uh, the darlings of rock and roll. Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band. Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy Osbourne cover band. And of course, Ring of Honor, the Coup de Gras, presenting Sea of Honor aboard the ship. Matches and the tournament all will be happening in the middle of the ocean and the winner of the sea of honor tournament gets a ring of honor world heavyweight championship shot of the future the young bucks will be there the villain marty Skrull, the american nightmare cody <laughs> Rhodes, uh, cody's wife brandy the briscoe brothers dalton castle and we'll be announcing more big talent in the upcoming weeks and do not forget 
Alpha versus Omega, January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, the double main event along with Okada and Naito. Subscribe to New Japan World to see it. And if you want to check out and become a part of the Alpha Club Jericho, go to represent.com slash Alpha Club and pick up the new t-shirt and help fight uh, type 1 diabetes uh, while you're at it. It's the Alpha Club Jericho, represent.com slash Alpha Club. Go check that out. And don't forget another thing, December 7th, the day of the second season of But I'm Chris Jericho. Uh, it's huge. It's hilarious. You are going to love it December 7th. Uh, I think all the episodes are coming out once in Canada and once a week in the States. Lots of cool stuff going on. Thank you for listening and keep listening and supporting the Killer Talk is Jericho sponsors. Coming up on Wednesday to herald the uh, debut of But I'm Chris Jericho Season 2. Co-star Kevin McDonald will be here talking about the kids in the hall, one of the greatest comedy troops of all time. Kevin McDonald will be here. He's hilarious. He's fun. You are going to love it. We'll see you then. In the meantime, in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. And remember, you just made the list.